Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 69th episode of VisionCon Live, your go-to nerdy talk show. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. You can come here to see me today, UK, to meet the man of the hour. He's the Doom Slayer from Doom Eternal, Torque from Call of Duty, Virgil from Fallout 4, just to name a few. He's the legendary actor here to rip and tear with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Matthew Watterson. Matt, how are we doing today? We're doing great. Thank you for that introduction. That is a lot to live up to. But uh, we're doing great. Thank well, you, so much. you live up to it in spades. Now, before we commence, I will say, I glanced up at my ceiling, and there is a whole-ass spider right there. Like, huge spider or, like, yeah. one of the little... I mean, we're not talking... Oh, God, it moved. Um, we're not talking, like, the camel spiders from Australia, right. but, you know, it's a Midwest spider, so, uh, you know, we're cool for now, guys, but if you hear me suddenly shriek, you know why. But, we were a couple of days ago, my wife and I were moving uh, some furniture around in our living room after the kids had gone to bed. And we just, re- I, I lifted one bit of the couch up and I went, oh, there is a large spider with a spider nest under there. We need to uh-huh. lift the entire couch to vacuum everything. So we did that. And while we're doing that, all of a sudden, my, my wife just goes, can you get that? And I look over and, and on the hinge of the front door, there's a spider, which is probably about this big. Now, yeah. I, I'm six foot four, so like that gives you some gauge on how big my hat, my face yeah. are. Like it was this giant brown spider. Unfortunately, I had the like the vacuum cleaner, so I went, yeah, I can just sort of get that. Sure. But it, it, yeah, we we sort of looked around and went, these are the couches that the two tiny children play on. We better make sure we get all the spiders out of there. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine because I'm I'm five foot seven, so I mean, obviously, you're nearly a foot taller than I am. I don't think I think I just I think I just move. Well, I, yeah, I, that was the thing. My, my wife saw it, like I said, and she didn't go near it. She's like, no, 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 no. This is, you, you get that. I'm not, I'm not going near that one. Um, but like I said, fortunately, I had a vacuum cleaner, which uh, took care Thank of it quite quickly. I know, it's interesting because uh, the dynamic between my girlfriend and I, completely opposite. No, that she takes <laughs> care of the spiders. I take care of everything else. But uh, <laughs> spiders aside, guys. So, Matt, you have a long list of roles you've played throughout the years. We'll get, we only have time for three of them to get to. But before we get to them, I wanted to start us off with how we got here, Matt. Was showbiz always the plan, or did something happen later on in life that brought us to where we are today? Funnily enough, showbiz was not the plan, despite actually being born into a showbiz family. My, my parents both worked in television, and growing up, my father ran a production company that made shows like uh, Golden Girls and Beauty and the Beast and, and Benson and all sorts of things. They, they had a ton of shows running. But I was never intending on going into it. When I was a little kid, I asked my parents if I could act. And they said, y- you can do one episode of a show and that's it because we deal with child actors and that's not happening. Sure. <laughs> uh, so I didn't do it and then went to university and studied things to go and get a, a responsible adult job. And then when I finished, I went, I think I might need to actually try acting, which my parents were supportive of with the caveat of they did give me the warning that they were able to give me from people experienced by saying, you understand that all of the people who you have met who are actors, who are friends of ours, are the tiny percentage that actually make a living. You, you, do, I, we don't want you to have a misconception of how likely it is that you'll be able to support yourself. If you want to do this, we're behind you, but just understand <laughs> you got real lucky with who you got to meet. And so I said, yep, I got it. Uh, went, then after university, went to drama school in England and then came back to the States and was doing mostly theater in New York and also doing some voiceover while I was doing theater. And the voiceover just started taking more and more time and it started being more and more of my work until I was 
it was explained to me by my representation, the next thing that you should get into is games and animation and that's out on the West Coast. So it's time for you to up sticks and move. Uh, so that brought me out to LA about five or six years ago, brought me back to LA because I was from here originally. Hmm. And that was when I, they were, it turns out they were correct. The, uh, my representation knew exactly what they were talking about and said, you need to come out here and then you'll start doing this kind of work because this is all based out here. So I did and they were right. And that kind of got me to where I am at the moment, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. And you have a long list of characters. And again, we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I want to talk about three. The first one being, now I'm going to be the first to admit it, guys. Now, I haven't been a fan of this series for a long time. It's, for those of you who don't know, the series is called Doom, a series where the protagonist, up until this point, has been silent. So I didn't pick up the game, the newest one, Doom Eternal, uh, at launch because just, you know, certain financial situations. But I had heard from a friend that Doom guy actually talks. And at first, I will admit to you all, I was very apprehensive because I was one of those diehard fans that had used to a silent, strong protagonist. But man, was I wrong because the voice that came out of that man was the voice that that man was always meant to have. So real quick, I want to talk about the indomitable, the incomparable, let's talk about the Doom Slayer. So before we dive too deep into it, give us a brief overview of the character, Matt. Maybe any fun anecdotes involved with getting the part, anything at all. So one of the fun things about it in terms of doing it was I kind of had no idea going in. It was everything that we do, especially in gaming, is cast and even is recorded and done usually under NDAs, like very, very strict non-disclosure agreements that you can't talk about it, which means that very frequently when you're auditioning for a role, the names aren't in it, any identifying characteristics are taken out. Often it'll just be generic sides that you record with, and it doesn't give you any indication of what it is you're doing. So I actually got to the session not knowing exactly what it was, and went in and did it, and the, the, the director, casting director, and the people from the, the company sort of explained to me what it was, and, and we went in and started doing it, and they gave me some background and, and stuff like that on the character. And there's not a ton of lines. He doesn't speak a huge amount, which I think was a smart decision on their part not to turn him into you know Deadpool all of a sudden where he's <laughs> loquacious and tossing off riffs. So there wasn't a huge amount of, of dialogue to record. So it was giving me the context of what was happening and what they were doing, et cetera, et cetera. And it actually wasn't until towards the end of the session when the, a couple of the guys who you know were making the game said okay we want to you know just do a quick photo and they mentioned yet yeah, th this this character's never spoken before and i i sort of thought and i went wait we're doing doom this wait this is the actual hold on this is the actual main guy this isn't one of the characters in it they went no 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 this is the guy like i had not played doom and i had not seen doom really since a kid was playing it with you know the one very wealthy kid in my school who had a laptop that was running uh Windows 95 and Doom on it in like 1995, 96. That was the last time that I'd sort of seen it, but I knew that it had just had constant iterations since then. So when they, when they clarified for me what it was, I went, oh, 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 wait, that's the, 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 you're the protagonist. 
okay, I'm kind of glad that I was just approaching it and doing it without really having had it land in my head. I'm pretty sure they had told me the information from which I should have deduced that, but I just sort of showed up going, no, I'm doing this thing. And then it was not until sort of afterwards that I went, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then, as I mentioned to you before, when they said, yeah, and this character has never really spoken before, I went, well, that's going to go one of two ways. People are either going to really like it or really not like it. And the reality, of course, is that some people really like it and some people don't like it, which is kind of freeing because you go, oh, no matter what you do, there's going to be stuff that, you know, is not what they imagined or they just don't want him to speak, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of relieves you from any pressure because you know that it's not like you're trying to make everybody happy. And like, I'm just trying to do what they had created and what they're looking for. Uh, and it was a blast. Like, it was really fun to do. And then I came back for one or two sessions here and there to pick stuff up and it was it was just a lot of fun and, and each one after that that uh, that I came back for and it wasn't there weren't a ton was really really fun now that I knew what it was and now that I knew what I was doing and now that there was a sense of okay I've already we've already sort of dialed in what the character is that we're going for now I just kind of get to go all right now knowing what we've done and knowing what it is and understanding it a little better what are the cool things you know what are the what's the fun stuff that we can find to do and and how can we make it as sort of memorable and interesting as possible given that he is speaking for the first time and he's still not suddenly very verbose but there's just a little bit there to to kind of give you an indication or an idea of like who this guy was before everything happened and they definitely set you up kind of as a Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because like you said, there were plenty of people that are going to love it, plenty of people that were going to hate it. Though I will say, there were, I have to assume, there were plenty of people like myself who initially was very apprehensive about it. But once they heard the final product, you know, I, I can admit when I'm wrong. And I'm sure plenty of other people could do the same. But, you know, just the voice itself. Yes, there is few lines. And I agree with you when you said that they were probably wise and not making him suddenly like Deadpool, you know, right. having all these riffs and like long soliloquies and whatnot. But, uh, you know, for what we got, I mean, it's definitely the voice that embodies the Doom Slayer. So obviously it's very heavy, very impactful and pretty gruff, which is kind of where I'm getting at this. So maybe not with the Doom Slayer specifically, but for roles in the past and maybe even in the future, uh, that you do that uh, require a little bit more dexterity from your throat. Is there anything that you do maybe in preparation for those intense uh, recording sessions? Maybe anything you do during to keep your throat going? And then probably more importantly, afterwards, is there anything that you do to recover your throat after a long and intense recording session? Yes, there's definitely stuff. And there's stuff that, like a lot of the studios, when you go in now, have little trays of medicinal things to help that that are just the norm um and there's teas and there's honey and there's different kinds of lozenges and there's this uh loquat syrup called like i'm gonna butcher the name and i feel terrible but it's called something like ninjom pakapoa you can get it on uh amazon or in any chinese market and it's it is amazing it is uh my memory and i could have this wrong but my memory is that it was sort of made uh, very popular by Fred Tattershaw when, because he would produce this concoction that he would use, which is, you know, now Fred can just show up and do insane voices for 12 hours a day and then sure. walk out like nothing happened. That's just, you know, an incredible skill he has. But 
this particular product is really, really good, both during session, before sessions, during sessions, and after sessions to help you help your throat soothe and, and keep going. In terms of preparation stuff, uh, these days I may do if I know it's going to be a lot, especially if it's going to be gruff and if it's going to be fighting, screaming, yelling, battle sounds, things like that. This sounds real weird, but I may just sing in the car on the way there or sing beforehand, and I'll pick something. I'll I'll pick something that I can't sing at all. I am terrible, which is why I only do it in the car. <laughs> make anybody else have to suffer it but it'll be something that you can kind of belt so it'll be like it'll be a bon jovi thing or it'll be like a billy joel or it'll be something that you can kind of just go and that just helps warm me up but a lot of it for me is fortunate i'm fortunate that i had uh training for theater so i was sort of trained to be able to do a three-hour shakespeare play eight times a week on a stage with no microphones and that was what i thought i was going to be doing but it turns out that's really really good training to be able to do these kinds of things with your voice to be able to yell and scream and get the, the things that really kind of wear you down are it, like uh efforts and injuries the sounds of sounds of suffering when you're sure. being stabbed when you're being punched when you're being shot when you're being burned burned alive is a one that people really love putting in stuff and that one is brutal um and there's some things that you there's not much to, to get the sound you kind of have to do something that does tax your voice a little bit there's other things that you can find ways to, to, to get around doing it where you can just make it sound right without actually just rending your throat in half. And some of that is practice and some of that is, is somebody at some point goes, oh, no, make this sound, you know, do this sound. But then instead of voicing it, just scree you know, just breathe out heavily or something or other. Um, but when it comes to things where it's just like a big voiced roar or growl or things like that, a lot of the time it's just making sure you're, you're warmed up however you do that. And then the, the directors are really good in general about saying, are you good? Do you need a break? Do you need this? And it's, that's the important thing. You take breaks because you can do that stuff for a while and then you take a break and then go back and you can do a four hour session or a two hour session without doing yourself damage if you're careful. If you just try and go, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm going to go through it. You'll tear your voice up. Yeah. Um, so most of the directors are really, really good about that. Um, and most of the studios are really, really good about that, about saying, no, 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 we, we want to make sure that you can do this again. So don't wreck yourself. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's take breaks and warm up and then take a lot of just soothing stuff afterwards, whether it's tea, lozenges, honey, that kind of thing. Well, it's interesting you bring up that, uh, syrup, the Chinese syrup, because we have had countless guests in the past also talk about that syrup and swear by it to the point that I'm almost at at the point where I'm just going to reach out to them and see if I can nail sponsorship out of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so here's another, th one of the things is that I don't know where this came from, but I'll, I have heard it in many places because the name can be hard to pronounce or hard to remember. It kind of somewhere, somebody made a joke and it kind of ended up being also known around the industry as crushed kittens. Crushed. <laughs> horrendous. Uh, and this is said as somebody who has had, cats my entire life like you know i've had i've always had animals but and you first hear it and you're like oh god and then you go yeah it's kind of fine that's what it is well to move on a little bit so are we okay i thought i thought we lost you for a minute nope you stuck oh. but i think i'm still here okay 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 cool cool all right so the next character I want to talk about is now is from a series that is love it or hate it. It is one of the most popular series 
in video gaming. That series is called Call of Duty. And so, you know, obviously we're going to talk about a character that you voice from Call of Duty, being to the fact that it's one of the most popular franchises. But this character, I, just for a little backstory, uh, I used to work at a theater and uh, I'm still, you know, pretty, a pretty frequent visitor of it. So I'm pretty close with the employees. So when I was, uh, an employee asked me who I was interviewing for this Sunday, because I do this every Sunday, and I said, you, Matt, and I listed off some of the characters, and when I said this character's name, swear to God, this, this kid, he's 17 years old, and he shot, he almost shot out of his shoes, he was so excited. I want to talk about the one, the only, let's talk about Torque. So like we did with Doomslayer, just give us a brief overview of the character, maybe some fan anecdotes involved with getting or playing the part, anything at all. Yeah, this one was a blast. Like I've done bits and pieces in a couple of, uh, of Call of Duties um, because like you say, it is a, a long running uh, series and they, you know, they, they come out with new ones uh, every year. And so I got to do things here and there before and this one came up and they explained to me right you know, at the very beginning, early on, like, okay, this, we're, we're, there's not going to be a narrative story on this, but we're going to provide, a, you know, little narrative stories for the characters, little vignettes as you go through. And uh, this is one that I, I had auditioned to come in. I had uh, submitted an audition and it had given him a, a little bit of description and said, you know, Scottish uh, sort of demolitions expert kind of thing. And I went, all right, so I got an idea and did that. And then when I got in, they gave me a little more backstory and told me, you know, showed me the, the scene that the scenes that they were going to put in of him that kind of explained where he came from. And also they showed me a, a picture of him and I was, I looked at him and went, oh yeah, giant, uh, you know, great big uh, burly guy with a, a big red beard. I, I think I can probably pull that one off. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so we sort of got in and, and, uh, and just started cracking at it. And it, it was really fun because like I, there's something about the Scottish accent that is just amazing when it comes to like responding to things. Listening to the Scots response to normal everyday things or extreme things is, is, is just amazing. Like their way of framing things and their turn of phrase just slays me, I love it. And so getting to do that was really, really fun. And then when, when we got to the point where there was a scene explaining a little like how he had ended up where he did, of um, you know him dropping uh, some uh, epicac or something into a, a senior officer's tea because the guy had abused a couple of, uh, of squaddies in training. I just sort of looked at it and I went, "Yeah, that's my kind of guy. I like him." Um, <laughs> the guy he's fine. Yeah, I was like, "That's what I can get behind." That and and that, that the funny thing was that really helped me go. Oh, okay, I get. I get how he's going to respond to things. So there's obviously the normal call outs for a, a fight, uh, you know, a war game like Call of Duty, which is, you know, frag out, grenade, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But the, the little bits of character that, uh, that you do get to do in it, once you kind of know that about him, you go, oh, yeah, I know how he's going to, I know what his perception of all of this is going to be and what he thinks about all of this. And, and you know, when he's trying to hurry people along or slow them down or tell them to, you know, stop being Muppets, it, it becomes really easy to go like, oh, yeah, no, I know what his take is. Uh, and he was, yeah, that one was, that one was so much fun. And especially having a, a character that uh, is part of a new approach for how they're doing it. Obviously it's not a, a new thing that the, those, those battle Royale games had existed, but having a, like a franchise like that deciding, Oh, we're going to try a new way of, of uh, doing the game. Now getting to be a part of that was, was a blast. 
and they nailed it too. Like the I hadn't played a Call of Duty game until since what Modern Warfare Two, so I picked mm-hmm. up Black Ops Four and. Oh my God, just ever like all the game modes, you know, obviously the persons they cast to play the characters, they all knocked it out of the park. But with you liking Torque, you are far from the only person. You know, I did a lot of research in anticipation for this interview, and there were so many people online just heralding ter- Torque. So, did you? So, obviously, it was pretty evident that this character would be popular, but did you ever anticipate the character Torque to be as beloved as he is? Oh, did I lose you? Oh, hello. Oh, did I lose you? I, I can see and hear you. Okay, I can yeah. see and hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, with a character like this, I wouldn't just loving him so much, but what I knew going in is that with characters in these kind of games, every now and then there's a character where uh, it kind of, makes the game unfair for people so they go well we hate that one because you put that one in or every time it goes out what that one gets dropped in it just screws the dynamics of the game up because either it's too powerful or it has this one thing it's kind of like using the proximity sensors in the goldeneye game on the n64 like it was a little unfair because you just eventually you put them everywhere where people were, were regenerated and then you just sit back and then every time somebody it dies they just set one off every time they appear and it it's you know it's fun if you're the one who's putting the proximity sensors, but if you're anybody else, it's not fun for the game. And because of the kind of things that he did, there was some awareness of, for me of going, he might be a character who does a thing that drives people a little nuts. So I was really, really glad when people liked, not just liked him character-wise, but also liked having him in the game and liked playing him. Because I, I like that, that way of playing. And... So it, it it made me happy that it didn't take off a lot of people where they're like, ah, no, that's not, we we just want to run and shoot this. These other uh, demolitions things drive us crazy. So that, I didn't think it would be, it would get some of the responses it got. I mean, I've had people asking, you know, uh, can you record uh, a proposal for, you know, my uh, my, my girlfriend or, I, or part of our, uh, our uh, vows or something for, or, or just a little something for the wedding or can you, record something for a, a family member who just really likes the, the character who's, who has been ill. And those things are a blast. Like those are really, really fun to do sure. just because people like the voice so much that they go, Oh no, this, this would make me really, really happy. And somebody reaches out and says, Hey, is it possible to just get, you know, 30 seconds of you just saying hi to the person in that voice um, and wishing them well. And that's a blast. Like that's so much fun because you go, Oh, this is so easy. And if, if it's, something where I can do it and I have the ability to, you know, do it in between all of the things that are part of life. It's really nice when there's a character that makes, means enough to people that they go, this would just improve my life today if I, if this person heard from that character. Man, making the world a better place in your own special way, Matt. (laughs) As in in the the tiny ways I can. (laughs) Well, the last character that I want to talk about before we move on to the next segment. Now this character, is it plays a pivotal role in the story of one of the most anticipated sequels ever in video gaming. That game is called Fallout 4. So the last character I want to talk about is the one and only Virgil. So to wrap us up, Matt, just give us a brief overview of the character, maybe some fun anecdotes involved with getting the part, anything at all. 
Oh, you got you, you got him at his most attractive as well. <laughs> He's a lady yes. killer. He is a lady killer, possibly literally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was interesting because this was a job uh, that I got right after I got to Los Angeles. And I didn't know much about it. And this was one where they were not telling us anything about it going in. So uh, I managed to get a little bit of information when I was in the session. And it was kind of fun because the description was, okay, so it's a scientist, but he's, he's been, he's sort of had this serum. He's had this thing happen to him that turns him into this giant sort of mutant. He's this giant sort of, uh, he's still him, but he's, he's kind of green and, and a little ogreish. And I'm like, wait, is, is this what I think it is? I go, no, it's not what you think it is. It's not that. Please don't say the name <laughs> of that company or that franchise or any of those characters. Don't say that. He's like, I, I got it. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. And so uh, like, it was interesting because I knew, I knew almost nothing about this one while I was doing it uh, because of the NDAs that it was under. And because it's such a massive world, this game, that the game was being worked on and being made for a long, long time. So I had kind of done it right after I got to Los Angeles. And then I kind of forgot about the job because I didn't really know what it was. And then I got notification of, oh, it's coming out. Now we can talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of forgotten about it and I didn't really have an idea of what it was at the time. And then when the game came out, I went, oh, this is really cool. This is amazing. And people, you know, friends of mine started getting in touch with me and saying, hey, we found you in the game. And I went, great. So I got the game and I went and I never, I've never been able to find myself in this game, which really? I feel like I should probably talk to a therapist about because I just can't find myself in it. Uh, <laughs> So like I ended up having to go to YouTube and find the videos of, of the character and the interactions to see what it was. Cause I, I, I like playing video games, but I am terrible at them. Sure. I, I can feel that. I just never, I, I was like, yeah, it's a whole world. And I'm like, it is a full 3d world and I have no idea where I am and I can't find myself in it. Um, but that one was really, that one was, was kind of interesting just because it was so early when I came out here and started doing games that from the description, it, it said this, like, you know, he'd, he'd undergone this change into a mutant and it had this kind of monstrous voice. So I went, okay, well, I mean, this is kind of a monstrous voice. And, and then, then just suddenly be called and go, right, you're doing that for the next four hours. There was a moment of, go, of going, oh, crap, I hope I can do this for four hours because I didn't know. Sure. And that, that was like a really, that was a really useful bit of education for me of going, don't ever audition with a voice that you can't sustain for an entire session because <laughs> or if you get the job, yeah, if you get the job and then you can't do the job, that's way worse than not getting the job. Mm -hmm. oh, Jesus. Um, so that was really fortunate of, I went, I hope I can do this for four hours. Oh, I can do this for a full session. Great. Um, without it taxing or any, without it, you know, messing anything up. Cause there's voices that you can do for five minutes, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't sustain it for hours. Um, and that was, that was a useful bit of education that I very fortunately learned a good way and not a bad way. Hmm. But, well, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that character was, uh, was a trip to do. Well, and in your defense without having trouble finding them, it didn't help that Bethesda had one of the most interesting characters in the entire game out in the most dangerous part of the game. It's the glowing sea. It's, got the most biggest and most uh, difficult enemies surrounding you. So in your defense, I, I can't really fault you for that one. But, sure. when, but so you didn't know initially what this character was from, what this property was due to NDAs and whatnot. But when you finally realized 
oh wow, you are part of one of the most anticipated sequels to one of the most popular franchises being Fallout ever. Was there ever a point where you may have been a little nervous to see if, you know, what people might have thought? I, the, the honest truth is I didn't know, I knew how much I had worked on the job, uh, on the, the, the game, how much I had recorded, but I didn't know how pivotal a character it is because I, or, or was going to be because I knew that it was an open world game and I knew that it was a giant open world game. So in my head, I was thinking, yeah, but there's, there's going to be a ton of characters in this who could be a decent amount of recording because there's a bunch of different stuff you could do and there's a bunch of different ways they could respond, but it might not be a character that is particularly pivotal or that has much of an effect. It's just somebody who you come across. Sure. So I didn't really, I honestly didn't know or understand what kind of impact that character would have until, funnily enough, I started going into other sessions for other things and the people who were there from other games companies or from engineers would go, oh, I was playing Fallout 4. That character is, that, that part of the game is really, really cool. We love that character. And I went, oh, apparently this is a bit that, people really enjoy and that is more you know without being the main character or the main uh you know one of the main the the, the main guy is much more pivotal or, or is a much more focused on character than i understood so i didn't really understand who he was in the game until people had already started saying oh that's a really cool character we liked finding him and we liked going on the 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 mission that you had from him so it kind of alleviated any of the apprehension going into it which is kind of in the story of my life. A lot of the time, I kind of have not understood what I was getting myself into until <laughs> afterwards, which it turns out is a really good way to avoid nerves because yeah. I, I absolutely have them. And I know that from, you know, I, I've gone on stage on a, in a play before where I've spent two months rehearsing the thing every single day. I know it backwards and forwards and still three weeks into the thing being on and having now done it two dozen times, I still, before the curtain goes up, go, Oh, this is all going to go terrible. I'm going to forget all my words. I'm going to trip over. My pants are going to fall down. My hair's going <laughs> to turn gray. It's going to be awful all in the next 20 minutes. And of course, none of that's going to happen. Sure. But those things definitely come to mind. So I've been kind of lucky in a couple of the games because of the NDAs and things that I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of the blessing of NDAs because NDAs can drive you crazy because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you, it stops you from knowing some of the information that would help you sometimes build a character but also some of the good parts of them are you sometimes can work without any of the expectations of the weight of the reality of what the job is coming down on you the silver lining on a usually a very frustrating part of the industry i'm sure exactly yeah <laughs> all right well so i kind of want to move away from the characters which we've spoken on a fair bit and I want to actually explore the job itself, Matt, because a lot of people that either attend in-person Vision Cons or watch Vision Con Live or all of our other talk shows come because they obviously want to meet and get to know the wonderful guests we have, one of which is sitting, or I guess in your case, maybe standing, uh, right before me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm actually sitting. Usually I stand in the booth, but I bring a chair into it when I'm doing right. this just Engaged. That's right. You're six four. I forgot that you're six four, and that's just you sitting. <laughs> but a lot of people also watch the content because they either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are and just want to know what to do next. So I want you to keep that in mind for these next two questions. 
Sure. The first of which involves rejection. So like I always say, guys, rejection is just a part of life no matter how you look at it. However, if there was ever an industry where rejection would be most prevalent, it would definitely be your industry, which is, of course, the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. So for the folks watching at home that either want to get in the entertainment industry or already are, just want to know what to do next, how would you advise them to handle rejection once it inevitably comes? I think you are bang on that it, it, is, it is going to happen and it, there's going to be way more rejection than acceptance, success, the sure. getting the job. And even if when, once you get the job, as we discussed a little earlier, you can get the job and think it went really well and then whatever the project is comes out and everybody goes, we hate that. We hate you. We hate. So it, it is, uh, there are multiple levels at which you can be rejected and it's going to happen all the time. And the, the, the best way to sort of handle it or the, the, the two things that I have found the easiest is first of all, to put it into, uh, just sort of put it into context of most people, you know, may change jobs i don't know let's say five or six times in their life if you're following if you're doing a, a job that is uh, you know a, considered a normal job if you're doing something where you work for a company or work for a corporation or work for whoever or even work for yourself you may change jobs half a dozen times in your life which means that half a dozen times you're going to go on interviews and you may do 20 30 40 interviews if it's uh, if it's a tough time to get a job and that's really hard for people going on job interviews is really difficult as an actor doing this, you're putting out anywhere from two to 15 job interviews effectively a day when it comes to auditioning for stuff. Like you're getting these auditions come in across the board for all different kinds of projects from you know animation or video games or commercials or promos or whatever it is, audiobooks. And you're putting out half a dozen a day. And if you're getting two jobs, three jobs a month, you're doing great, which means that just straight out numbers wise, if you're batting like, I don't even know how to put this in, in batting terms because it's so low. Basically, if you're getting 5% of the job interviews you're going for, you're doing fantastically and you're probably going to be able to make a career out of it. That is a ter terrible rejection rate. 95% of the time, people are saying, thank you, but we're not interested. So once you know that's those are the numbers going in, it makes it a little easier because that means that if you've done 90 auditions and nothing has happened, you're on track. You, you, may not, you may do another five and nothing happens, then you get five jobs in a row. So context of, of quite what you have to go through to get the job uh, kind of helps. And then the other thing that, that helps is, is a, like one of those goofy sayings that always kind of stuck with me that kind of works everything from actually doing the job and creating uh, characters to going through the process of trying to get jobs, which is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's going to be your life. Like, yeah, like when you're struggling, everything is uncomfortable and it sucks and you just have to sort of relax into it and go, I just have to be comfortable because this is what I've chosen. I've chosen to have to bartend or wait tables or deliver food or whatever it is I'm going to do in order to pay for my life while I try and do this, which means I'm working two, three, four jobs at a time and it sucks and it's uncomfortable, but this is my choice. So I better just get comfortable with it so that when I go and do the things that I want to do, I'm not just frustrated and angry and like, you better hire me because I don't want to go back to my bar. It's not going to help. Sure. Um, and then similarly, once you get the job, all of these things, anything dramatic when it comes to any kind of acting, the whole point is any scene takes place at 
one of the most dramatic or impactful events of that character's life. Like if it's well written, you're never doing a scene where everything's just fine. Everything sucks or is terrific or like it's always heightened. So it's kind of uncomfortable to just fabricate that. So you've got to get comfortable doing that. So it kind of works both for trying to get the jobs and then when you're doing the jobs. So like I said, it's kind of a, a glib saying, but it, it is a, a pared down thing that has kind of worked for me just to go, oh, wait, I'm getting off track. Just I'm uncomfortable. That's what I chose. Just get cozy with it. Well, and then in a similar boat, let's keep with that momentum. So we talked about rejection, but just is there any general advice you'd like to give the folks watching at home? Perhaps advice that you wish you had when you first started acting? You know what's funny is that I spent a lot of time reading up and watching all sorts of things from people who were successful or who people who had careers that I thought, oh, that'd be a good career. That'd be a good career sure. path to try and emulate. And it's really obvious, but nobody got there the same way. There's not a track. You know, 50 sure. years ago, there was a studio system and they would hire people and then they would put you in singing classes and dancing classes and acting classes and movement classes. And they would put you on salary at a hundred bucks a week or whatever. And they would move you up. And as long as you kept progressing, they'd start putting you in bit parts. And, and it was, it was like any other job and that doesn't exist. So nobody gets to their, nobody gets to the place they want to be at the same way. Like no two movie stars, no two singers, no two TV stars, no two voiceover actors, no two anybody, no writers, no directors, nobody gets there the same way. So it's useful to say, okay, well, how do people get there? But in the end, it's a little bit freeing to know there's not a path. You just have to go, that's what I want to do. And then I'm going to pursue it. And also I have to keep in mind, there may be other options that come up along the way that I didn't think of. And that doesn't mean reject them. Like I didn't, when I was in drama school, I wasn't saying, no, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to be a voice actor and I'm going to work, you know, in animation and video games. And that's where I'm going to end up focusing. I knew about that, this kind of work, but it wasn't in the forefront of my mind as that's the area I'm going into, but it came up and I went, oh, this is amazing. And I love doing it. And I get to do things that I don't get to do when people have to look at my big fat face. So, because this is how I look. So this is, there's a limit to what I can do if people are seeing me. Whereas behind a, a microphone where nobody can see me, I can do anything. If I'm doing performance capture, they're putting the dots on my face. They can map my expressions onto anybody or anything, human, troll, you know, gargoyle, it doesn't matter. So it suddenly this thing opened up of like, oh, this is really cool. It's nothing I expected. I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned it. And if somebody says, well, how do you get to, how do you get to a point where, you know, you can make a living doing what you're doing? I can tell you exactly my progression, but no one, no one else has that same progression and nobody else could mimic it. So it's useful just familiarizing yourself with as much as possible and then just saying, what is it that I can do right now? Like, what can I do today? What can I do this week? What can I do this month that I can do? Not, oh, what did that person do? Or what did this person do? Or, or how did this person get to the point where they're on The Simpsons making a million dollars an episode? Like, you can't replicate that. So all you can do is say, what are the things that are available to me to do right now and do those? As far as auditions are concerned, do you find it, you kind of, do you fit in the maybe kind of advice, whereas it's more of a, you miss every shot you don't take sort of thing, or would you advise them at least starting out to maybe find what they're good at best and then maybe attempt those sort of roles first? The reality is, the reality is the latter. You're, when you start out, 
again, different people have different things. There are people who stumble in the first time to sure. a voice on, on a you know animated show. Um, but generally, when you start out, you're probably get, the first things you're probably going to get are going to be commercial, mm-hmm. and what you're going to be sent in for by any representation if you have it, or what is going to get you the most response if you're self-submitting stuff, are the things that are just in your pocket, the things that you naturally do. And it's going to be way, way easier to branch out into other stuff if you become really known of for the thing that you do well. Because if it's like, oh, you know, uh, Alice does this kind of, you know, Alice does uh, insurance or, or medical jargon really, really well. So when we have, if we have a, a commercial that at the end of it has, you know, ask your doctor about blah, 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 it's possible side effects, or yada, yada, yada. Alice does that really well. So if we need somebody, we go to Alice and, you know, Steve and Mary um, every single time, then you'll suddenly find that, okay, now I'm starting to work. I'm starting to get to know people. People are starting to know me. Now I can say, oh, I could also maybe do this thing. And you'll start to be able to branch out. Trying to sort of scattershot everything at the same time is really, really difficult. Um, Again, having said that, I got really fortunate and I got when I first the first year or two that I did voiceover I got a couple of things in different places but that was unusual and they still were all like we need a youngish sounding English voice with this kind of accent um I got to do kind of different things but it was all that it was and and you know now I get to do stuff in every dialect every sort of age range all sorts of things but that didn't happen for a lot longer so I think that you're gonna find doing what you do best and focusing on that and making that, you, you know, find that crack and stick your hand in it and then make it bigger to get in is, is always going to serve you better. With the caveat, like I said earlier, of there's no single way to do it. And if sure. you, you find that I can do eight different things, six characters, four different genders, and I can do all of them because I have that ability, do it. Take the job. Yeah, we're painting with a broad brush here. But yeah, yeah. like long term. Yeah, okay. But all right, guys. Well, for those of you who haven't already, message VisionCon directly your viewers' comments and questions or put them in the live chat. Now is your final chance to do so because, ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Matthew Watterson, now is your opportunity to plug, promote, advertise, whatever verb you want to use, anything you want. The floor is yours, sir. Well, as we talked about, one of the fun things about this job is the amount of NDAs you have. So there's always the fun part of like, oh, there's stuff I'm doing. I can't say anything because until it comes out. But of the stuff that this, there's some stuff that's recently come out that I would say go and see. Uh, these are actually both animated things. There is uh, the fourth season of Castlevania. I saw uh, that. Joe. Uh, and there's the, uh, the, the first season of Dota, which is I think is also on Netflix. Um, which is also amazing, uh, and they did an amazing job with it. It looks beautiful. The actors in it are fantastic. So uh, those two, bo- th- both of those came out pretty recently. So those are both really, really worth taking a look at. Uh, the funny thing is, in terms of games, it's all NDA'd at the moment. So I would say the ones that you mentioned all still available. Go and buy those. Go and play those because they're all great games. And so when these are no longer under NDAs, where can people go to follow you to be the first to know about it when you can finally announce it? Thank you. You're way better at this than I am. I am terrible. (laughs) It's my job. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. Um, So basically on on all of the social medias, I'm under uh, MJ Waterson. Uh, So Instagram, Twitter, 
Actually, I think those are the only two I'm on. Uh, but those are the ones that I'm on, and that's usually where I will uh, post something saying, oh, this is coming out of more frequently. This came out last week, and, and I missed it because I'm terrible at social media. But uh, that is usually where you will find most of the material. And for all those links and many more, I've got them in the live chat if you're watching this live on Facebook, or if you're watching this later on YouTube or listening to it later on Spotify, it's going to be down there in the description box below, guys. And with that, we're going to go out of the plug zone and go to our final segment, viewers' comments and questions. So we got about time for about four or five guys. So like I always do, going to take some from the messenger and some from the live chat. So give me one sec to get that all head up. Let me make sure that spider hasn't moved. It has not. Go <laughs> golden. Okay. So Aaron tuned in and said, based on you voicing Nightmare in Hulk, where mm -hmm. monsters dwell, Who's your favorite Disney villain that you'd want to be partners in crime with? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Aaron's known for his uh, good but complex questions. Yeah, I mean, there's a really obvious one, which is Scar. Oh, okay. Lion King. But, and the, uh, but I don't know. I feel like, there's, I feel like there's, there's one that I'm forgetting. Oh, wait, no, which... Uh, I think it was in Hercules, the, the, the female character with the blue hair. Oh, Hades? No, uh, no, that's a guy. There's a woman. Maybe oh, the was, woman? Ooh. Yeah, wait. It was either in Hercules or in The Emperor's New Groove. I mixed those. Emperor's New Groove is DreamWorks. It's no, Emperor, em, well, is, no, Emperor's New Groove is Disney. It is Disney, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I, I forget her name, too. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. I'm like, I feel like she'd, she would actually be the, the, the most interesting. And also, I think they would just be really, really funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, so Chris, it was a blast. Well, Chris tuned in and said, hey, Matthew, I, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Yzma, Aaron said. Yzma, Esma. That's it. That's okay. it. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Thank so you, Aaron. Chris, so Chris tuned in and said, hey, Matthew, I see you voiced in Halo, The Fall of Reach. Would hmm. you have wanted to voice? Wait. Would you have wanted to voice in Halo the game series? And if yes, which one and as who? Yes, absolutely. It's an awesome uh, franchise. Um, I have always really liked. I, I will freely. I will admit. Uh, we have PlayStation, so I have played Halo at other people's houses. It's not one that yeah. I've played through a lot on my own. Um, but I've always kind of loved the, uh, not necessarily like the, the Master Chief, but some of the normal Marines around him who are just kind of, you know, the, guy, the people who are just kind of there going, awesome, this demigod of war is here. We're just hanging out with some body <laughs> armor hoping we don't get our asses kicked. So if you could take care of that so we don't die, and let us handle the normal people and you take care of the really terrifying ones, that'd be awesome. Like, I love those, I love those characters that are just going like, cool, you're here, help us not die because this sucks. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, those, those would be a blast. Well, Charlotte hopped into the messenger and asked, what are some of your favorite hobbies? Oh, that's a good one. So I will, uh, I have to confess that we have small children. So for the last few years, there have been no hobbies because. <laughs> there has been no time for anything, which is one of the sad things. I think the PlayStation has been turned on probably five times in three years, which oh, just makes me sad. No. 
Um, it did save me having to buy the new one because I'm like, I don't have time to play it at the moment anyway. I can wait a few years until I can get one cheaper. But uh, we actually, one of the reasons, one of the few things that we are able to still do because of fortunately where we live is we will try and get out to the water as much as possible. So uh, it's not that often because small children, but we do live 10 minutes from the beach. And so anytime we get out into the water and with small children, I'm not able to get into the water and do the same kind of things because I have to make sure they don't drown because one-year-olds are terrible swimmers. Oh, like, yeah, so, I can imagine. <laughs> not good. Um, Three-year-olds are only a little bit better. Uh, so, but once once they get a little bit older and they can uh, they can be relied on to keep their heads above water, I, I am looking forward to getting back to surfing, which I've not been able to do for a while. Oh, shit. But it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and it's very relaxing and it's lovely to be able to do it get up first thing in the morning and go out and get into the water for an hour or so and you know either it goes well or it goes badly but either way you've got to spend some time in the water and it washes away a lot of other stuff on a personal note i do miss surfing i'm actually originally from san diego california nice yeah nice. yeah and so surfing was a big deal back in socal so it is something i definitely miss but uh on the note of the ps5 coming from someone who actually has one oh, i got nice. the ultimate one of the biggest playstation fanboys but i gotta be honest no, people ask me like, "Hey, should I buy the PS5?" Nah, you don't no. buy it. No, it's it's a great system. Don't get me wrong; I love it to death. But there's no games like that are out for just the PS5 that are PS5 exclusive that I feel are worth buying the gotcha. $500. And like, good luck finding it too. I know there's a lot of people that are having trouble finding it, but uh, I digress. Yeah, but, uh, but that's good to know. I don't feel like I'm missing out as much. You're not. I mean, you're really not. But, uh, okay, so we got time for two more questions, guys. The next one's going to come from Charlotte. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I just read Charlotte. Uh, Ryan, who said, are there any characters that you voiced throughout the years that you wish had more of a spotlight? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, it's funny. I've been really, really lucky that one or two that, like, one of the characters that, was only supposed to be really small, ended up being way bigger, which was in the uh, Troll Hunter series that I did for, for DreamWorks. Like the character that I did in that was only supposed to be a couple of episodes. Really? And then the writers liked him and Guillermo del Toro liked him and the head of the studio liked him. And so they get, well, we'll keep him alive a few more. We'll keep him alive a few more. And then it got to the point where they said, okay, we need to kill someone in this, like somebody dies in this episode. So that character will die. Well, no, he's been here too long now. That's too big a death. So he's got to keep. So what was supposed to be a couple of episodes ended up making it for just about the entire series. Wow. Was really lucky. And that's, uh, and it's funny because if, if that character had only lived as long as he was supposed to or only been there as long as he was supposed to, that's when I definitely would have really, really wanted to, to, to do more. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. There's, there's been a couple of fun... Like somebody had already mentioned, uh, somebody already mentioned Nightmare in uh, in Hulk or Monsters Dwell, and I am hoping at some point that Marvel wants to use him in another thing because he's he's just like that version of him is insane and unhinged, and also a blast, and it's really it's a really fun character to play with, and it's a really fun character to uh, to get to throw at heroes and have them try and deal with just because he's just nuts. <laughs> Well, the last question we got is from Tiffany, who asked, hey, I just wanted to know, what was your hardest role to do throughout the years? Hmm. It's funny. I, 
one of the things about doing voiceover as uh, you know acting in voiceover is that a lot of the time most of you will be recording on your own and so you just do all of your stuff together as as a, a chunk and the, the thing that i just mentioned the the character drawl in in troll hunters was both really easy and really difficult because with the cost of that show they were never going to get everybody in the same room Fair. like the hulk one we recorded in the same room which is amazing and you get to be there and watch these other people work and also you get to play off of each other which is terrific and helps with the Trollhunters one and with video games, with characters in video games, for the most part, unless you're doing performance capture, you're not doing it with the other person. So you're having to put all of your faith in being directed to respond the correct way for how they are gonna get the person you're talking to to speak to you. So you're just having to put everything in the hands of the directors that it's all gonna cut together nicely because you're not actually responding a lot of the time or almost never to the actual lines that are being you know spoken to you in the game that's that's really really difficult because especially if you've grown up doing stuff in theater doing stuff on tv or on film you're always talking to a person and that's what we do we're like we're used to talking to another human being we're not used to having one half of a conversation you know to the thin air and they you know they, they'll help you by the you know somebody will always read with you but still like learning to trust the person who's directing you that when they say i know that this seems like this would be a good response or a good way of doing that but it's not going to work because of something that you haven't heard yet and you you haven't seen yet because it hasn't finished being drawn or hasn't finished being programmed you just need to trust me that you need to change change this around in this way that takes that takes some getting used to and that takes being able to just sort of say okay i trust the person i'm working with that they know what they're doing and i'm just going to do what i'm asked that's so as opposed to an individual character that's kind of the the part of it where it becomes really difficult because you have to just trust the person talking to you and explaining to you the situation that if they say great take but i need you to change it because of x or because of y you can you know you can absolutely say well why explain it to me but also in the end you just have to go okay that's okay. you know what you're doing. You know the you know the story. You know the scene. I'm gonna take your word for it. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, guys, that's about all the time we got. So before we wrap things up, though, Matthew Watterson, are there any final thoughts to leave us on sage-like wisdom? Anything at all? Well, that puts me on the spot. Good lord, I thought was something <laughs> wise. I don't do wise. I read other people's words out loud for for uh, for thing. Uh, actually, the only thing I would say, uh, this has served me well for people who are, who are getting into this, make your auditions weird. Like, not bad, not like I'm gonna be stupid, <laughs> but like, like we said, 95, 98, 99% of, of this job is auditioning. And if you're, especially if you wanna do voiceover, you get to do it at home, which means there's no one staring at you going, what? So if you see something on the page and you're like, I don't know, this would be really funny if I kind of do my bad, Jackie Stewart impression, just do it. Like, make it weird, because if you make it weird, you may not get the job, but if you make it weird and you do it well, the casting people may go, well, that's not right for this, but that's kind of cool. And later on, they may go, oh, I know a weird thing. I, I know a thing that would work great for this. Let me call this person. Um, that's happened a couple of times. I, I had wow. one casting director, you know, send me something, which was an offer, because they said, 
we need something that sounds like this character from this 30 year old movie. I know you've seen that movie and no one else has because you did a thing like that. So I know you've done that. Um, and I did, a, I did this thing for some character and I don't even remember what it was because I thought, well, it'd just be funny. I love that guy. I loved that take. But she remembered it and she went, yeah, that didn't work for that. But for this, do it. So yeah, keep things weird. That's legitimately great advice, both for acting and, you know, just in general. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 69 of VisionCon Live. Thank you so much for watching. As always, I'm your host, Zach Wilson. But much more importantly, this has been my very special guest, Matthew Artisan. Make sure to check out all the links down in the description box below. And until next time, guys, always remember that life's better when you have friends to share it with.